0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are. Thank you for joining me for the next episode or edition of Brahma Vihara's Loving Kindness. And uh, this will be the introduction to loving kindness for the perceived enemy. Uh, Arguably the most challenging stage of loving-kindness practice is extending loving-kindness to those whom we feel are our enemies. And why do we even do this? Well, uh, why take the time and energy to extend loving-kindness to people who we don't like, who make us feel tense, who Perhaps have transgressed against us. Well, according to uh, Buddhist psychology, which is the school that these practices arose out of, although I am giving these in a secular fashion so they're uh, able to be practiced by people of all faiths, all walks of life, but from the traditions that these come from, the thought is that all beings are um, by their birthright eligible to feel loving-kindness regardless of how we feel about them. Their their right to feel uh, welcomed and, and loved and embraced by the human race transcends our feelings about them. So in a way uh it's um it's a bit deeper than that and so i'm gonna unpack this as we go so it is really more about us than about them these practices are really about our relationship to how we feel about other people Uh, the loved one the stranger and the person of difficulty the perceived enemy Uh, we're really uh, working with our feelings about those types of people, those archetypal uh, relationships in our life. So uh, oftentimes people don't want to engage in this practice because they feel if they actually uh, send loving kindness out to people they don't like, that those people might receive benefit from that. And that's a whole nother belief system that uh, I don't care to engage in right now. If people believe that, that's fine. If not, doesn't, it's not really relevant to the ability of practicing here. Um, but uh, I guess I should say that um, more often than not, when we practice love and kindness for the perceived enemy, uh, they don't really receive uh, the energy that we send to them. And the reason why we're doing it is to really experience the tension that might arise uh, when we try to uh, bring loving-kindness, warmth, and friendliness uh, to that relationship. Uh, experiencing the ways that we might shut down or the ways we might open up uh, when we send loving-kindness to people we don't like very much. And really, one of the great benefits of doing this is we are gradually widening our circle of care. We start with ourself, and that's good. We want to always include ourself in our circle of care. And then we start with loved ones. That seems pretty natural, right? To, to include loved ones in our circle of care, our, our siblings, our family, and so forth, perhaps our fond, fond friends. Then we extend that out again to people uh, we don't know. And that seems a little bit strange to some practitioners, a little tense, it's a little uh, more, um, that stage requires a little more focus, awareness and concentration, generally speaking. But again, we're, now we're stretching our typical uh, boundary lines. Uh, we're stretching our circle of care to include people we don't know. And here, we're going just a little bit further with that circle of care to include people we don't like, like that. And we do this, again, because according to the psychology from the schools which these practices arise from, all beings deserve happiness and deserve to live a life free from suffering, regardless of how we feel about them. Now, when I uh, launched this Uh, talk today I I gave an advertisement and I don't have the quote in front of me unfortunately it's disappeared Uh, but uh, the quote was something like uh, from the Sufi poet Khalil uh, Gabriel Um, they said love your enemies and I turned and loved myself and so again that that's really pointing to this idea of perceived enemy Because according to the schools, the Buddhist psychology schools from which these practices arose, we never actually experience an enemy. We only ever actually experience ourselves projected outward. Now that's quite important. So the experience of an enemy really turns out to be our own discomfort which we disown and then project it onto another. And so the discomfort which arises in our body, in our mind, in our heart, when we see this person, when we experience this person in some way, because it feels so uncomfortable, we disown it. And then it appears to be out there. We know there's discomfort somewhere in our environment. We know it's not in our body because we're disowning it. Literally, it is in our body, in our mind, in our heart. But it doesn't feel like it because it's so uncomfortable. We want to push it away and we push it on to somebody else or another situation. So enemy turns out to be our self projected outward. Now, I often get the question here, well, what about people who have really hurt me? What about people who have really transgressed against me? Aren't those people truly an enemy? And yes, agreed that if I was to practice loving kindness for the perceived enemy, and I uh, wanted to send loving kindness to a person who maybe punched me in the jaw a few months ago, it hasn't happened. Just an example, uh, but uh, and and so I brought that person into my visualization into my mind into my awareness I would feel that tension and I would feel very justified only because their behavior is a good hook for my projection they become a very likely candidate for my discomfort to land on but at the end of the day it's still my own memory of that experience which is bringing my discomfort and allowing that discomfort to arise in my own body mind and heart and then i give it to them i push it out on that person and then i fight with that person as if they were really my enemy but it actually turns out to be my own discomfort it was the great sage mahatma gandhi who really pointed this out uh, when he made the startling statement All of the devils and demons in this world arise from our own heart. And that is the only battlefield where the war should be fought. And some of you may have heard me use that quote before. I love it, it really resonates with me. It's a great reminder of this teaching that actually there's never an enemy that we can experience. It's only our own self projected outward. And this is one of the reasons why uh, body scanning meditation practices are so important because the deeper we can feel into our body the the more often we go through the body experiencing the sensations that arise in the body in the mind in the heart uh, the sooner we can catch that discomfort so if i've done and i've done many many years of body scanning practice uh, so when I encounter somebody who I have uh, this type of tense relationship with, I feel it. I feel it arise in my body. It usually comes up from my legs, into my abdomen, into my heart. Then, because I recognize that as what it is, I don't have to react to that person in that way. I can reclaim the projection. It's really not that bad, it's just a little discomfort. And so I own it, and then I can communicate with that person as the human being that they are, the human being that deserves happiness and not suffering. So that's quite important. So when we come into a practice of sending loving kindness to the perceived enemy, Uh, We do this in the same way many of the other loving-kindness practices have unfolded. Uh, We ring the bell. We come into the present moment, feeling the breath, the body, hearing the sounds. Or we could do it in the opposite direction, uh, going from the sounds to the body to the breath. And then resting in the present moment for, for just maybe four or five breaths. We then bring the loving-kindness phrases to our own heart. And then we either visualize or imagine or just get a feel uh, for the presence of somebody we don't like, a perceived enemy. Now, if this is your first time doing loving-kindness for the perceived enemy, don't start with a person who really wronged you. Don't start with somebody who really hurt you. Start light. (laughs) Somebody for whom there's just a bit of tension there towards, but not somebody who really broke your heart or really uh, caused you great harm or hurt in your past or present day, Uh, but somebody for whom there's just a bit of tension towards. And then bring that person into your awareness, and then... Begin sending them those same phrases of kindness. Uh, now, we're not going to do a full loving kindness practice today. Uh, sorry to disappoint you if you're waiting for that. That's going to come tomorrow. Today is really just the introduction. And because this is such a delicate, uh, tender practice, I thought it was necessary to do a full introduction on one day and then the next day. Do the guided meditation we might we'll go through the phrases actually let's just do that now since we're on the topic uh, those phrases uh, may you be happy so really visualizing perceiving our perceived enemy uh, in a very very happy 100 percent happy state for their entire life and then we Reflect, what does that feel like for us? How do we respond to that imagery? We might uh, shut down, we might get tense, or we might uh, have feelings of doubt or puzzlement, or we might feel resentful. These are all ways that we shut down to the experience of loving kindness for our perceived enemy. There's nothing wrong there. We don't try to change that we just observe it interesting i'm closing down to the loving kindness uh, for these following reasons we just note it now you might not close down you might send loving kindness to your perceived enemy may you be happy and you see them happy and and you rejoice in their are happy uh those that is just uh We're just planting the seeds there for future experiences of loving-kindness. Those seeds will eventually bear fruit, uh, but sometimes it takes a little while. Uh, It might take a week or two of loving-kindness practice, of consistent practice, uh, for those seeds to start to bear fruit. And very often, uh, the seeds of loving-kindness start to bear fruit in some unexpected ways. It can happen when we're not meditating. It could happen uh, when you're at the grocery store or, or when you're uh, out for a walk and you encounter somebody you don't know, uh, and uh, all of a sudden you feel this overwhelming love and kindness for this person just because they're a human being. Uh, so it can happen that way as well. Uh, now, something I want to talk about is, and I mentioned this a couple of episodes ago, but I want to refer back to the two hot circles. <laughs> And so, because loving-kindness practice and all of the Brahma-Vihara practices are emotion-based practices, so oftentimes uh, we can encounter emotions that are what I call too hot. Uh, Now, I can't coin that term. I think I must have picked it up from another teacher somewhere. Uh, But anyway, that's the term I'm using uh, for this episode. And so I think these are in reverse on some of the cameras or the screen, Uh, just the numbers now. I've just written numbers because last time I actually had the words uh, and it was all in reverse and it was a bit uh, challenging. So here's just the numbers. And uh, number one, the, the inner circle there, that's our comfort zone. And so when we start the practice, we're feeling the breath, feeling the body, hearing the sounds. We're more or less in our comfort zone and that's a great place to start any meditation practice, is from the comfort zone. Now, we get to the the second circle there is the, the challenge zone, and that's more or less where most of the growth happens. Uh, and again, I say more or less for all of these because it's, there's no, you know, line, and then you cross a line into the next zone, and now you're experiencing growth. It's all gray, uh, but it's just an illustration, a kind of a model uh, to help us uh, self-regulate when we get to number three there, which is the too hot zone. And when things, when we get to the too hot zone, uh, that's indicative of our emotions getting uh, too hot, getting too uh, volatile. And when we get into the too hot zone, uh, things get overwhelming, and there's not a lot of uh, present moment awareness, not a lot of growth that can happen uh, when we get into the too hot zone in meditation practice. Whether it's this practice or any practice, if you're you're meditating and you feel like your body's getting really tense, or perhaps you're feeling your heart shut down, or maybe you start uh, crying violently, uh, at this point, You're in the too hot zone. So if you get to number three, if you get to the too hot zone in this practice or in any meditation practice, the thing to do there is to regulate, come back to the present moment. Now, uh, my favorite way of coming back to the present moment is just to hear the sounds of the present moment. Just listen to whatever's arising. Might be the bird songs, you might have your neighbor's television playing, perhaps there's a conversation nearby. Any sound can bring you back to the present moment. Sounds are always right now. Uh, You could also use uh, bodily sensations. Bodily sensations are always present moment sensations. Um, Now you can remember a pain that you had a few weeks ago, but you can't take aspirin for that pain now, right? So uh, pain is always present moment. Any kind of bodily sensation is always present moment. You can anticipate uh, pain from a surgery you'll have in two weeks from now, but you can't take anesthesia now for that pain, right? So same thing. So bringing, you know, recognizing that bodily sensations are always right now. That can help us regulate too. We can feel our feet against the ground Feel the weight of the body against the chair or the cushion, whatever, uh, however you're meditating, mat or floor, whatever you're using to sit on. Feeling the clothing on your body. Uh, feeling the breath entering and leaving the body too. That's a, a great way to come back to the present moment. Uh, bringing yourself back out of the over uh too hot zone. Coming back to the first circle, the comfort zone. And then if you've done that once, that's okay. You come back from the too hot. you come back to the present moment. If you feel up to moving back into the meditation for using loving kindness for the enemy as an example here, uh, then you can start again sending these phrases to your perceived enemy. If you get again emotional or you start to close down to the practice a second time, that's it, you're done. You don't wanna keep pushing into the too hot zone. Uh, if you keep pushing in meditation practice, uh, a type of hardening starts to happen. Uh, and that is a, that's a, a resistance to the practice starts to occur. And uh, so it's very challenging to, to, to melt that resistance once it's in place. And we really want to avoid that. So even if you've only meditated for maybe five or ten minutes, but you've gotten into the too hot zone twice... Stop the practice, get up, go for a walk, make a cup of tea, whatever it is you do uh, to to, uh, bring yourself back down to the present moment to regulate and calm uh, yourself. And then come back to the practice again uh, the following day when things are fresh and you feel uh, more ready for the practice like that. Quite important. And again, as I mentioned earlier, starting this practice with somebody who doesn't really charge us emotionally uh, too much. You want to have a little bit, of, there has to be a little bit of tension there, otherwise it's not a perceived enemy. Huh. Uh, but but uh, not somebody who really, really uh, causes us a lot of grief when we think about them or visualize them. Now, if you uh, are working with somebody and, and they do charge you in that way, you get too hot, you come back, too hot, you come back there are also uh, meditation practices specifically designed to cultivate forgiveness and so that might be an option as well if you really want to work with this particular person but you feel a lot of aversion towards this person you feel it's very difficult to reclaim your projection of anger or aversion on this person uh, the forgiveness practices are really quite beautiful for this. Uh, there's one that's available on my website, uh, www.suchsweetthunder.org. Uh, all my guided meditations on my website are for free, by the way. Uh, and uh, it's on the under the challenging emotions guided meditations page on my website. Uh, go to the forgiveness meditation And generally, if one practices forgiveness meditation for this particular person or working with this particular person for a week or two, uh, it really softens. It's quite effective. And so then we can more easily come back and send love and kindness to this person once that forgiveness has really uh, taken place, once that forgiveness has really occurred. Now, we never want to use any meditation practices to condone bad behavior. And I mentioned about working with people who have really transgressed against us. Uh, and that's fine to do if, if that feels available. That's okay to do. Even then, we're not using these practices to condone their behavior towards us. When we practice forgiveness or when we practice love and kindness for a perceived enemy, we are removing the stone of aversion from our heart. It's almost, I, I almost see it as, as if moving, removing a splinter out of a finger, removing the stone out of the heart, the stone of aversion, the stone of resentment. We pull that stone out of our heart and we put it down on the ground. That's the process of forgiveness. And then we're readily available to be in the present moment. When we're carrying resentment, we're carrying around anger or, or hatred for others, we're not available to embrace the present moment, at least not fully. Because that anger, that resentment, that hatred will color and shade our every move forward in life it weights us down it's like that splinter in the thumb we can't do our work because we constantly have to adjust our hand to to do our physical manual labor because our thumb hurts so as it is with forget, uh, with anger or resentment we're constantly having to make adjustments as we move down the path of life because We're hurt. So taking the time to practice forgiveness uh, is well worth it if we feel that we're carrying uh, the stone of resentment in our heart. Take the time to remove that stone out of the heart. It was the great uh, Nelson Mandela who made the amazing statement after his 27 years of incarceration in Africa. On the night of his release at his press conference, he said, I forgive my captors because holding on to resentment is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. And that's exactly what that is like. He was very, very precise with that statement. When we hold on to resentment for others, when we hold on to anger for others, we're poisoning our own heart. So, again, pulling that poison out of the heart, putting it down on the ground, and then coming back to the practice of love and kindness when you feel more ready, more available uh, for that practice. There again, and I can't emphasize this enough, uh, start light with this practice. Don't come into it saying, I'm going to send love and kindness to that guy who I really hate because it will get too hot and and it just makes the practice uh, discouraging in that way so start again with somebody who just gives you a bit of tension might be a politician (laughs) I find politicians very good for this practice Uh, and then uh, go into the practice that way now it's not just one time you have one pass and then you go on to other things you can start light And then maybe, you know, a few months later, come back to it again with somebody medium grade like that. So don't be impatient and rush in to to get the hard work done right away. Uh, Again, always starting light, building up uh, to the more and more challenging people in our lives as we go. Also, moving into this practice with self-compassion. If we find that we continually get into the too-hot zone or we continually want to go and practice forgiveness, there's nothing wrong with us for doing that. We're all human. And we, we all have people in our life uh, that represent the villain archetype. And in much the same way, we are the villain in other people's story as well. That's a part of being a human being with seven or eight billion other human beings on a little planet we're all gonna bump into somebody and somebody's gonna bump into us so keeping that in mind that to to transgress against another and to have others transgress against us is a natural normal component of the human condition and so when we move forward with this practice, uh, moving forward with that heart of self-compassion, so very, very important. I, I call it moving forward with a feather-light touch. Very, very important for this practice. Okay, so that is, I think, all I need to say about loving kindness for the enemy. Um. So again, we're not going to do a guided meditation here today. Uh, The guided meditation will be tomorrow. So this was just an introduction, uh, a talk on loving kindness for the enemy, why we do it, how to do it, and so forth. So I hope you found it uh, informative, entertaining, uh, practical. Uh, I find this practice very practical these days. There's so much division uh, oh my goodness, and and, what my, and I don't consider it my home anymore, but in America, there seems to be uh, a new conspiracy theory every week, <laughs> which only gives rise to more division. People really buy into these theories, and they say, this is what's happening, and it seems to create so much conflict, so much anger people who don't buy into those become the perceived enemy not recognizing that again it's our own discomfort projected outward divided by political ideologies by belief structures only creates discomfort for ourselves and then projected outward perceived enemies so these practices this practice in particular so pragmatic for today's world. Because, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, this is a great opportunity, this pandemic. It's the 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 a real well I can't think of any other time in human history where the whole globe is very clearly facing the same obstacles the same challenges now those challenges get filtered out of course they're not the same for each individual but they're caused by the same stimulus the virus and so we have this unique opportunity uh, to come together as a as a person as a population as a race to work together to move together in lockstep, to overcome this pandemic to foster compassion because we can so clearly see through this technology through uh, the internet through television through radio we can so clearly bear witness to the people's suffering all you have to do is translate the number four million are infected hundreds of thousands of people have lost their life each number is a family each number was a human being who had people who loved them So in this way allowing this pandemic to guide us into compassion compassion on a global scale which has never really been possible in the past and so that's why uh, the brahma viharas are so very pragmatic so very important In this world climate and that's why I'm doing this (laughs) Uh, this is my humble uh, uh, offering to try to help uh, in this world climate and on a brighter note I would like to thank all of the other people who are helping it's not just me here Uh, So many teachers, so many meditation teachers offering guided meditations online. Uh, Yoga teachers, Reiki masters, cacao ceremonies, uh, musicians who are playing some really beautiful music uh, all for free. They're just trying to put it all out there uh, to try to to raise the spirits, raise the energy, raise the vibration uh, of the human race as much as we possibly can. We're all trying our best at this moment. So thank you for those who are putting forth that effort. And if you are just there as a witness to all of this, if you're just tuning in and uh, and um, enjoying the offerings, that's great too, because we need an audience. Everybody who's offering these things need people to receive these things. It's the yin and the yang of, of life. Uh, and so if I'm a teacher, I need students to teach, right? Uh, it's the only way that can work. So thank you uh, for receiving uh, what I'm sending. Stay clean, stay healthy, stay safe, wear your mask, practice your social distancing whenever you can we'll get through this together. Thank you so much. See you tomorrow for the guided meditation on sending loving kindness, guided meditation on sending loving kindness to the perceived enemy. Thank you.